Hi, I'm Dave Williams. My radio career spanned 54 years, and like pretty much everyone who has ever had the thrill and honor of turning on a hot mic, I've never lost the excitement. Greg Tatum is a soul brother in that respect. He's been out of the day-to-day business of radio management for quite a while now, but his heart is still there. He has directed, taught, and influenced countless professionals in the business, many of whom have become radio masters themselves, thanks to Greg. He still dabbles, he still smiles, he still loves this business. Here's Radio Master and my friend, Greg Tantum. Well, you know, I think I'm somewhat typical of many stories in that I started very young, 15 years old, a little radio station in Greenville, Ohio. And I always jokingly say they made me news director because uh, they needed somebody to open up the mail that came to news director because they didn't have one. So they said, you know, so anyhow. Um, But I, you know, I, you know, I, I, that wasn't what good. My, 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 I went to college to be a psychologist, become an educational psychologist. However, um, you know, I, uh, at 16, I would do weekends in the, in the big city, Dayton, Ohio at Wing. Uh, and on, you know, on Christmas breaks and, uh, uh, and, uh, so, you know, suddenly, but like I say, I still, you know, I said, well, this is just a hobby. And I worked at the, there was a commercial station in Oxford, Ohio, which for some people is sort of legendary FM. It was OXR. Then it became another alternative format uh, with this similar call letter. But anyhow. Uh, then one day I get a call back from the radio station in Dayton, Ohio. So we want you to do full-time morning drive. And I, I wasn't as, uh, you know, uh, I said, well, you know, how old were you at this point? I was at that time, 20, I was a junior in college. Okay. Um, and so I, um, Say, so, you know what? Now, you know, the, anyhow, we, we can go. The whole silly thing is why I didn't major in broadcasting. But anyhow, so. Um, so you turned down your first job offer, which was a morning gig? No, I, I was new, doing news. But no, I took, oh, right, right. Okay. So I, uh, my father, coincidentally, uh, was uh, the assistant sales manager at that radio station. Um, and they didn't tell him that they were going to ask me to do this. <laughs> so I call and say, hey, I've made a decision. Uh, I'm going to put off uh, finishing the next couple. Actually, I think I only had a, well, I think I had about a year to go, maybe a little less. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm, you know, we're going to be working together. Well, he didn't talk to me for two years. Uh, well, I mean, he didn't talk to me for a while. My mother, who just recently died at 102, yeah. was a uh, psychologist herself. And she said, what's interesting, she said, yeah, no, that's great. Do it for do it for one or two years, get out of your system, and then go back to grad school. So then uh, even literally up to probably into her late 90s, I know I'm still in the hundreds, she used to always look at me and said, I guess you haven't got that out of your system yet, have you? <laughs> <laughs> so she's talking not only as your mom, uh, but as a psychologist, so her advice yeah. made a lot of sense. Well, it did, and there's a lot. There's <laughs> a lot we could talk about on that later. But as far as the complete resume, then, like a lot of us, uh, from Wing, I went to uh, Wife in Indianapolis, uh, and then uh, no, actually WSAI down the road in Cincinnati, and uh, met uh, was hired by Joe Gillespie, who you may know the name. Joe is at Wins and. We later, he be, he's a longtime friend now. So it's friendships we make in the business, sort of like you and I, even though we never actually worked together. And uh, so from there uh, to wife in Indianapolis, and then uh, actually most of my time was at, then became out on the West Coast. In 1978, uh, Joe Gillespie had gone out to uh, uh, KSDO at the time, which was a news talk radio station owned by uh, Combined Communications, which became Gannett. And John Bayless was running the radio group. He had been our general manager in Cincinnati. So they said, hey, why don't you come out and uh, we'll put the band back together. So I went out to San Diego. Um, and then um, seven, seven, about seven years in San Diego, then uh, uh, up to uh, King in Seattle. And uh, 
King in Seattle was actually the first time I was also the program director and operations manager. Um, from there, uh, WCAU in Philadelphia, which was an interesting experience if we want to get into that. I'd, I'd hire the former, uh, I had hired the former uh, mayor, Frank Rizzo, and we have some interesting stories about that. Yeah. And actually working with Ed McLaughlin, who has just started to syndicate this guy that you might have known out of Sacramento called Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. And right. a story I like to tell about that. I don't know if you want to, we can mention it now or later or if you're going to edit this. But uh, at the time, this is 19. 19- well, why, why don't we go ahead and mention it? Okay. Don't worry about editing when it becomes necessary. I'm interested. So go okay. ahead. It's 1989 then. And somewhere along the line, I, well, I think only because Ed, when he was president of ABC, Ed McLaughlin, um, you know, I we we I had a lot of ABC product at uh, in San Diego and elsewhere. Uh, actually, in in Seattle, I cleared some shows that he needed cleared and stuff like that there. So we, I would say we became friends, like you do in this business. And he kept trying to say, "Greg, you know," you, you, I said, "I love Rush." As a matter of fact, when I was in Seattle. I wanted him to come up to Seattle when he was in Sacramento. Yeah. And uh, because I, uh, Norm Woodruff, the late Norm Woodruff, who also was instrumental in, in Russia's career. Yeah. Um, he said, hey, Greg, you got to check this guy out. They said, this guy's great. But of course, King was a fairly, uh, you know, I hate using labels, but at the time, uh, liberal station. And they're going, well, I don't know if this is going to work and this mm-hmm. and that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, make a long story short. Ed and Bruce Mars, you know, start syndicating uh, Rush and take him to New York. And Ed says, I know you like Rush. Da, 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 da. Just clear. Well, I'm working for, you know, CBS, WCAU. And it's, and he used to say, well, just put him on. And I'll never get, I used to like, like to joke with Ed. I said, uh, Ed, now let's see, when you were president of ABC Radio and one of your program directors, just out of the clear blue sky, put a show on and never got clearance from his general manager or the president of the radio division. I mean, he said, Oh, okay. So anyhow, I'm making this way too long. Right. However, the, the ending's worth it. I end up convincing New York to allow me um, to put him on weekends. And that's, it's okay. That's good. However, ready for this, this is 1989, 1990. I had to hire a special producer to edit out anything that was too controversial. <laughs> of course. Of course. So anyhow, so anyhow, and I kept saying, you know, I, I kept talking about Limbaugh. And um, we never got him cleared full time because then they, in the infinite wisdom along that same time, one time I was called to New York. And they said, Greg, you know what? We just, you know, talk radio is dead. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> they said, and we're going to, you know, we're going to change the station and simulcast the oldies OGL. And I'm going, look, I actually said to them, I said, look, I don't, if you don't like me, fire me, but keep them. You're, you're, you know, I mean, <laughs> and uh, no, they did that. Now, my only satisfaction out of that, because I kept pushing to, to put uh, Russia on full time. Uh, and regardless of where you think of politics, you know, and especially at the time, oh, of a, course. Phenomenal, a phenomenal broadcaster that yeah. changed the course of, yeah. you know, like, like Howard Stern. I, I have a Stern story, but let's, I do it. But anyhow, the, um, the, uh, positive side of this is that after that experience, a while, few years or a short time later, when, Ed, when, um, when Rush was finally taking off, uh, I'm working at the time for, uh, the, you know, now I'm out in Los Angeles with KFWB and Westinghouse, the old Westinghouse before Westinghouse bought CBS. Right. And Nancy Whitman, who was the one that had said talk radio's dead and uh, pushed back on uh, putting Limbaugh in full time, uh, actually said to me, she said, Greg, I guess you were right about that Limbaugh thing. <laughs> <laughs> you so, know what's, uh, what, uh, what what I find myself explaining to people uh, a lot, and I have for many years. First of all, just before just before you started with your story of Rush Limbaugh in 1989, when he arrived in New York and went national, um, I was working with him in Sacramento. Well, I know, and, and Tyler. He, and, uh... I was doing the morning show, and he was on at nine yeah nine a.m. and he would come in every morning, and we'd do one. As of a fan of both of yours, pardon me. As a fan of both of you. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, I, uh, Bruce Mars, who you mentioned, yeah, good guy. was consulting the station at the oh, time, yes. and uh, he had the great idea that um, maybe I should be program director. No, I take that back. Our general manager had that idea. Uh, uh, Rich Etchison. Yeah. And Bruce is the one that said to me, you might not want to take that on. I mean, you know, think about it. It's a lot, it's a lot of additional work and it, it'll put you in a different position. So I did it for a year, but he was absolutely right. It's like I was doing mornings and having a great time because part of performing is ignoring everything else you've been told by management. Exactly. Knowing when to break the rules and all that. So anyway, during that year though, uh, this is my claim to fame with Rush. We became very close actually. We spent a lot of time uh, uh, just socializing and so forth. He's a delightful guy. And as you said, regardless of what you thought of his politics or his performance, oh, you know, most people have no idea and there's no way to explain. And it doesn't really matter. But he was really a great person. Yeah. I took him to lunch one time and I said, "We got well, here's the thing we got to keep in mind about Rush. We've gone down this tangent, but I like it. He said that uh, in 1988, Nobody in in history had ever taken a local talk show and turned it into a national one. Nobody was talking about national issues. Nobody was talking about Russia and and uh, the president and the White House and the Congress and all that stuff. And uh, I mean, we, we we were all locally. We were all talking about local things, right? And uh, I took him to lunch one day and I said, "Russia, it's your show. I'm not going to tell you." how to do it. I need you to love what you're doing and be enthused, but I will, I will warn you this. I said, if you don't find something to talk about besides Russia and Congress, your career is going to go right down the toilet. He just thanked me very much for not telling him what to do. <laughs> and then he made his merry way. Yeah. He, ca- he well, came to, he came to my wedding and the next day he was off to New York. <laughs> oh no! I, I, you know, and, and again, the, the, a couple of things around that same time. I, uh, I, because it, it really relates in that why you, you know because we thought you can't talk national politics locally. Well, first of all, he made it entertaining. The, the yes. key was it wasn't necessarily politic at the time. It became right. when he became you know more and more of the. You know the 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 standard bearer. I'm glad you're saying that. That's an imp- that's an imp- very important thing. Is that Rush Rush did it because oh. it was Rush and it was Rush being an entertainer and well, Rush being it. a personality more than it was about his his well, positions. I've never really gotten an argument on this. Uh, I and I, maybe I would these days, but I used to say, look, if from the from the from the at least the first ten years of Rush. Had he been a Democrat or had he been, he would have been every bit as successful because he was one of the, the he, he, he was a breath of fresh air in what talk radio had become. Yeah. At the same time, this is where I think talk radio really got to take off. I remember once when I was in Philadelphia is when Stern was first, his first syndicated station was YSB in Philly. Now I'm at CAU and I'm listening and I'm going, yeah, they're playing some music, but I go, that's a talk show. So, you know, we have one of those group meetings with PDs and, and uh, GMs and this and that. And uh, I said, you know, I'm not saying I know what to do about this, but I got to tell you, that's a talk show. And that's, that's, we're going to have to be, you know, that, that, that's going to be our competition for our spoken word format. Yeah. They all looked at me and said, you're crazy. That's a rock. I said, I said, trust. I mean, I just said, okay, but I'm telling you. I think because again, here's a guy that made the listening to the radio entertaining and the music in the end was just getting in the way of the magnitude of his personality. So anyhow, so that's where I go back. I mean, back with Rush, the two of them, the timing of that, particularly for me in Philadelphia, really gave me a whole new perspective on how to approach talent. And, uh, as you say, you know, you know, and, and, uh, Chuck Lore, all these, Guys that many people may not know in our younger generations, but you know, you know, being creative, thinking outside the box, but uh, really being uh, awesome is uh, real. Don't don't even think there is a box. You know, I mean, just exactly. let let the imagination go. Exactly, 
Yeah. You mentioned Chuck Bloor and you mentioned, you mentioned the creativity of radio. And that certainly takes us to the crux of the matter here. Right. Is radio dead? What killed it? Was it, was it, uh, uh, was it technology or was it just a, a loss? You know, just getting, getting lost in the way with, uh, the corporations and everything else. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of you. <laughs> no, no, but I'm glad we started this way because, because, um, it was about 20 years ago when I got to KGO and night, probably 2000, 1999, 2000, the dot com boom was going. Yeah. And, uh, I was losing some of the younger employees in the newsroom. I was the news director and Jack Swan, the great Jack Swan said, who you're going to talk to. Right. Um, uh, and Mickey Luckoff. Um, um, I'm very, you know, fortunate to, to have that experience. But anyway, we were losing, uh, younger people, or I was out of the newsroom to, uh, the Silicon Valley, to, to the new startups and all. And even I was tempted a little bit. Bob Kay, I don't know if you know Bob and the late, uh, Al Brady Law, they had started this, uh, command audio, which was going to be audio on demand. So again, my mind's going, hmm. But then as I was, these, these kids that were going down, they said, well, what are you going to do? And basically what they were going to do is what they were doing in my newsroom, creating, creating content. And, uh, that's when it hit me. I said, you know what? And I heard other people say this much wiser than I am. I think probably early in my career, they said, Greg, you're really not in radio on your side of the hall at that end. You know, the way the building was set up there, we were like a laboratory. You're, you're in the content innovation yeah. part. And that. That, unfortunately, I mean, to me, we're not in radio. I would tell people and then in the last 20 years, because they'd say, oh, my God, radio's dead. What am I going to do? I said, what are you going to do? You're a very talented, smart person. You're going to use those same talents. Radio's just a delivery platform. Right. That's all it is. And and to some ex- to some extent, the creative side of our, our business should somewhat embrace that because that gives us so many more avenues for our creativity. The downside is all of that gets watered down as far as monetization because, okay, you're not going to get, at least initially, not going to get paid as much or whatever because all of a sudden there's competition. I mean, think about, you know, when you think about it, we had somewhat of a, you think about your years and whether Sacramento or San Francisco and you had, you had four or five radio stations that were competing really. I mean, even though you had more in the market and you had like Los Angeles was a billion dollar advertising market. How did you not make money? I mean, yeah. you know, we used to say in Los Angeles, you know, a, a police radio could make bucks, but suddenly you get more and more competition. And also, so anyhow, the first, first part of my answer to that, which is way too verbose is I, I still say radio in my mind was con, I mean, I was my part, my life in radio was in content. And that's, that to me, if we fully embrace it, that's still alive. Radio as a delivery, as a success, as a financially successful, uh, operation is dying, if not dead, for a couple of reasons. One of which all of a sudden there's a whole lot of new competition. I mean, it's suddenly like, you know, I mean, you, that, that advertising pie is, but I do think the biggest podcasts uh, and all the online stuff, the interactive. Yeah. And all the online, but I do think. You know, quite frankly, and you, I think you still work at, we both for a while work for the same company, the, one of the big uh, conglomerates these days. And I think sadly, what, what once with the deregulation, once we, we became real estate, I remember at the time somebody said, you know, uh, we're becoming real estate. And so we, you know, you, you look at the debt service on these, I mean, both these, the two major, well, even, even my old C, our old CBS, you know, you look at the debt service. Like, so they no longer cared about product. I mean, they long, they, so they basically seeded the landscape to all these new, rather than taking the Mickey Luckoff, Jack Swanson, be the most, give them a, give them a reason not to want to leave, stick with, wait a minute, that's still the most entertaining. That's still the most entertaining audio entertainment I can get in San Francisco. It's on a radio. I don't, you know, nobody can match it on a podcast or nobody, 
but rather to, 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 to satisfy paying all that debt and make the quarterly call look good, slash, 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 slash. And of course, they want the, they want quality. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, there's a hundred examples in the, in the retail, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the general business world. My biggest frustration when I was talking with Andy Ludlam yesterday, I was talking about this is that, uh, uh at some point during my career, and I, I, I kind of focus on Dallas only because I arrived here uh, almost 12 years ago, uh, brand new to the market and uh, going, okay, well, I've got a second lease on my career here. And I was just excited about it. So I wanted to talk to people about it. I wanted to talk to my new colleagues about, about the craft of radio, the way we used to when I got into it the late 60s, early 70s, my goodness, they had to chase us out of the radio station. Oh. And and we would go off to each other's apartments with a six-pack of beer and sit and listen to air checks. Air checks. Of the greats. And of, DXing from stations. Yeah. Of, and, and we would talk about all of the that craft stuff, you know. Did you hear how he said that? How are we going to do this? All of that. And you cannot, Greg... To this day, you cannot muster a conversation along those lines among anybody at any radio station I've been in, in the last 30 years, uh, you know, regardless of their age and regardless of the fact that, well, you know, it's new to them and they're just kind of excited about radio, but they want to talk about it. Um, yeah. I think part of that is a, my, you know, the age difference, but uh, it just break, it breaks my heart that nobody's even thinking. It seems like nobody's even thinking about how to do what they do and why they do it and all of that, all of that stuff that we were taught or at least we had demonstrated for us when we were coming out. Well, I think part of consolidation also screwed that up and that everything became cookie cutter and and innovation was not encouraged. I mean, it was, you know, it was no, no, we're going to take this format here. And, you know, I mean, I can't really speak much for the radio guys per se, but I've, I've heard the same complaint. That for the most part, it was, you know, no, this, you, you know, it, it, it would, I can't tell you the times I wouldn't say get my hand slapped, but they said, no, that's, we're not going to do that. Why, why? First of all, it might cost a couple of extra bucks, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> and, and, you know, and then all promotion budgets went away. I mean, that's, which is always, you know, one my years at uh, working for Westinghouse and I think other companies said the same thing. They, they believed in giving you a promotional budget for your radio station because, first of all, they said, we're selling the benefits of advertising. If we're right. not advertising, right. we're being a little bit hypocritical here, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Uh, so it all, it all just – and I think really a, a large part of it comes back to – which I at the time, I think somewhere there was a – I was quoted somewhere when asked about uh, – the, the deregulation back in the 90s or whatever. And I said, I always like to be, at least initially, I wouldn't say, you know, ridiculously optimistic, but if this frees up um, regulation on some of the things we do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and see before I make a judgment on it. Yeah. But clearly, uh, uh, I gave up on that hopefulness when... Uh, well, when you're working for, uh, when, when we did almost a 50% profit margin and we're told it was not enough. So, I mean, that's what I realized. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because yeah. upstairs, they're always saying, okay, good job. Now let's go another 6% this next year. Well, exactly. I mean, we, again, we became real. And, 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 you know, and I don't know where I feel on this, but then over the years too. So, cause I, right now I want to say real quick, I want to put in a push and you should talk to KJ Allen. And Benji Kurtz, who own this little radio group out here in uh, Lake Country, Georgia, called the Oconee Radio Group. He, I mean, I do a little stuff with them and they serve the community. He has no debt. He runs this. He's, he's a, he's, he's amazing. He won. He's, he's that, he, you know, he, he and Benji, I think had both experienced with Cox and then he was down in uh, Nashville, but, uh, uh, but it gets back to what I was going to say. And a lot of the local owners or the regional owners, you know, I mean, I guess you, you sit there and you say, suddenly the station that you pay $200,000 for is now 
somebody's offering $50 million. Yeah. How, how do you not take it? But on the other hand, you know, you, you just, you wish you'd say, well, I'll sell it to somebody who actually wants to run a radio station and not, not just try to flip a house. Right. You know, I right. mean, that's. It's a bottom line problem with corporate radio that, and, you know, came from, from uh, deregulation is just that you have a bunch of, uh, you know, thousands of investors who don't know or care anything about the business. It's just a part of their portfolio that somebody recommended they buy. And now they demand a return. And yeah. you can't, I mean, that's all of us, right? We, you can't, you can't blame the way we're dealing with our investments. But uh, when, when radio got out of the business of uh, identifying with their local communities and, and catering to them, in all kinds of ways, not not just straightforward entertainment. I've forgotten who it was, but I was working for RKO at the time. Um, who said, uh, "Who said you know what? Every radio station is like a is like a hamburger joint. We all sell the same product. We sell hamburgers and cheeseburgers and French fries and and cokes and stuff. But but it's in the packaging. It's in the way you present it. Exactly. And all of that went away because." investors don't understand nor do they care right right i mean that that's it and the when you think about it any other business as i say the years you know um we were you know i mean you know being close to the general manager and the sales manager in la when suddenly like i say a, 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 a near 50 percent ebitda was not good anymore you know, I would tell that to somebody in the banking, to some other business. They'd go, what? You know, that's incredible. <laughs> right. But, you know, so that's suddenly when I also thinking to myself still to this day as a pretty good capitalist. But to me, it really defined as, as cliche as it may sound. There's a huge difference to, 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 to a good profit and flat out greed. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, uh, unrealistic and expectations. At, at the expense, at the expense of a, of a business that serves a community and, 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 uh, uh, makes people happy. Well, that's it. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, that's the frustration. Inform and entertain. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it has, uh, you know, I, you, 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 what I think like you, I mean, I think now in major events we covered among uh, those of my lifetime, but you, let's think LA during the riots in the LA, uh, yeah. you know, the earthquake. I mean, my God, KFW and KNX, but we did better. Uh, but KF, you know, I mean, we, we you know, and I, I'll remember, I mean, I, I think it was either during the riots or during the earthquake. My boss said to me, he said, I don't care when we run a spot. You know, I mean, just we got to we got to we got to keep Los Angeles and the Southern California informed. Now, he did say the minute KNX starts running spots, we run, we start running. But but um, that doesn't happen today, because first of all, nobody, they, they don't even spend the money for even two or three news people, real news people. Right. Right. I mean, that's not the meaning who's doing, you know, but I'm saying. Um, no, what so you then, have is a lot of people who are starting out in the business that would have started out 30 or 40 years ago. They would have started out in a small market and learned their way up. But you have a lot of them starting out right at the top. Yeah. It's not their yeah. fault. Well, it's not their fault. But it's, yeah, no, it's so, I mean, all of that back, really spinning back to the, you know, is radio dead or dying? And why? And I think all of that is the, you know, and I think it probably can all boil down to perhaps, I, I would say two things. Suddenly, it, common sense tells you when there was a time, okay, LA has 60 radio stations, but let's admit 20 were probably reasonably profitable um, for a billion, what became at one point, I don't know if it still is a billion dollar, you know, it was a bigger, it was a bigger, it was a bigger radio, I mean, uh, advertising market in New York City. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, but then you suddenly have all these other options that agencies, and you know, and quite frankly, we probably got it, we got away with uh, almost forcing them to buy what rates we set for the radio station, because where else are you going to buy your ads? You know, I mean, you, yeah. you have no other outlet. Uh, so that, I think that's part of it, just the, you know, just the progression of time versus, but the other part was, as I think, deregulation from the standpoint of 
I mean, you, you know, we we know a couple of major companies that still have billion dollar uh, debts and uh, due uh, within a year or two that they, you know, some have been delisted. I mean, it's just complete negligence on even running a business. I mean, how many of us, you know, I mean, as a general manager of a McDonald's, we'd, we'd be fired by now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It occurs to me that I kind of cut you off mid uh, resume. Um, I, I I don't know how far you want to go, but um, I I do know that you wound up uh, producing a show in Washington D.C. I did former education mm-hmm. secretary. Well, with a former senator. Pardon me. But former senator Fred Thompson. And, right, uh, right. That's yeah. yes, yeah. And, and a good friend of Bill Bennett, but uh, and before that, you you uh, you were news director of, at least in my experience, and I think everybody else's, one of the greatest news talk radio stations that ever existed at KGO in San Francisco. No question. I mean, and and I take you know, I mean, the, the credit to that goes back to actually, I mean, Mickey and Jack, but it really goes back to. Um, Actually, Ed McLaughlin, to an extent, who was general manager there, and uh, uh, Jim Dunbar was the first program director. You know, why brilliant Dunbar, on-air why, talent know, at that? Which again, showing what wouldn't happen today. KGO would not exist. We know that would not exist today. Dunbar always told the great story, which uh, he uh, he swears was true. You know, he was at WLS as a as a music drug. Job. Yeah. And they uh, bring him out to San Francisco to do this this talk news talk station because I think I, I think KBC probably went before them. I don't. Jack will know better than I do. Um, and he tells the story. He said the first year he said, first of all, I thought this was crazy, but I wanted to be a PD and this is that. So he said the first year as a talk station, it really didn't do well, and they were ready to pull the plug. He said, so uh, I don't know whether he went back to New York or they came out to San Francisco. And he said, he, he was telling the whole group, but I mean, I was there and he told, he told me first, he said, I'm, for an hour and a half, I'm passionately saying, no, this is the format of the future. This is, you got, you'll regret if you pull the plug on this. Da, 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 da. And when it's over, he says, I never believed that for a second, but I needed a job. I just moved the family out. <laughs> when when was that? Going back that would to his, have been, in his time uh, when he started I out. I think there. that would have been probably. I should I should I should know that off the top of my head, but KGO probably went spoken word. It had to be mid sixties. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Mid sixties. I mean, I could. Yeah, it must be because that's when I started listening to him, and I was still in high school. I was in high school listening to the rock stations, the local stations, Croy, KXOA, yeah. KZAP in Sacramento. But uh, I also listened to spoken word. I was like 16, 17 years old. But I picked up on Dunbar, oh, Jim God. Dunbar, and, and Ted Wigand. And, and Ted, and Ted, God, I love Ted. I mean, that, they together again. It, 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 yes, it was news, and it was, but it was. It was, you know, I always, I always hesitate to use the word entertainment because people, have, when I say entertainment, all it makes is, is like a well-written book or play. It pulls you in. Or that it's necessarily a lot of laughs. It no, it's not, yeah, it's not, it's a, not a whoopee cushion and a clown's nose. Yeah, right? yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it makes you, it makes you want to pay attention. No, what it, what it does is it makes you love these people. They're part of your life. You're They're a very important part of your life. So Dunbar and Wygant, as I grew up and I got into radio, and then I wound up accidentally into news and talk. I never wanted to go into news or talk. I was a disc jockey, but that's what happened. So as I started to learn how to do those things, I thought, you know what? If I work at this really, really hard, and I remember telling you and uh, and Jack many years ago, I said, I realized a long time ago, I want to get to a point that when Dunbar gives up, I want to be his replacement. I never got there, but I learned so much from just listening to them and learning how to relate the uh, the information, the the content, which was you know the 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 news, the current events of the day, and to make it palatable. 
and, uh, you know, m- leave people with a smile on their face and a little bit of information in their head. Just be a human being. Be yourself. Just be yeah. a human being. You don't have, you know, again, you don't have to, you know, I mean, you don't really have to do shtick. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like I used to say on the news side of this sometimes as far as writing. Because I, I used to, actually, there was a time in my life, actually, it was back in Dayton, Ohio. I was G. Paul Tatum, 2020 News, doing <laughs> sensational, you know. And I, you know, and I, but I used to say after that and talking, if you know how to write well for for for, for radio or just period, yeah. you really don't have to sensationalize. You really don't have to sensationalize anything because no. many of these stories are sensational in and of themselves. If you know how to be a good storyteller, and and Dunbar as a as part of a news oriented information program, and Ted, that's exactly what they were. And to pointedly stay out of the way. That's not necessarily the same thing as being unbiased. It means you can, you can express an opinion. You can do it with a chuckle. You can do it with a, you know, a, 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 a sound that implies a little bit of irony or, or, or a question or, or even just with words. But it doesn't mean that you have to get in the way of the facts because right. of the facts are the part of life that we're all involved with. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, and that, and Speak, I'm sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of KGO, just yesterday on my Facebook uh, feed, you know, the, the morning memories of everything, um, it popped up that now I've forgotten how many years ago it was, two or three years ago, that KGO went dark and turned into, I guess, what it is now, which is a sports betting format. And I've thought about that so many times, and I know so many people that have um, we just absolutely uh, felt still to this point devastated by the loss of that radio station. Oh. I don't know what the equivalent is on the East Coast. I, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know the East Coast, but I would guess 10-10 wins or something like that, except that KGO was so much more because it was talk and you had great talk personalities and the news blocks and all that stuff. But it occurred well, the to community me community involvement. I mean, again, Mickey yeah. and, and I mean, that it just it was and it was sincere. It right. was because because uh, and it was also a recognition that the community will give back. And that included the advertising community. Right. And it did. You right. know, I mean, again, aside from number one ratings, we go, you know, most of the time we're number one billers. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I guess the closest the. The, the closest uh, comparison I could come up with would be WGN in Chicago, yeah. which suffered much of the same fate. You know, it, it, uh, and probably CCO, a little smaller market, but yeah. You know. Yeah. But with KGO, it occurs to me being so close to it as I was, uh, I, I've thought about you in the last couple of days and Jack and Mickey and, uh, Chris, uh, uh Barry. Chris Barry, great guy. Yeah. He's in San Diego. He's having a good time. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and so many people that I've known that have worked there and I thought about you all and I thought about the time that, that, that it crashed and burned. And I thought, you know what? If I were in your position, I might be thankful because it didn't just fail. It disappeared from the face of the earth oh. and became something that shouldn't even exist. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I left, uh, in 2006 because. This is one of those things. I, I would have been very happy if Mickey and Jack were to uh, grace me with the privilege to stay there until my last day on the radio. Except um, in 2006, I'm 54, 55 years old. And, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, first of all, you know, I was always surprised when I got any job offers once I turned 40. So I'm going, okay, I mean, <laughs> you know, what, you know I, I was realistic about what, what the business was. And so I get a call from a, probably somebody you know well and other people, Jim Farley, and at the time uh, helping consult the station uh, back in Washington, D.C., was uh, 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 Walter Sabo. Oh, sure. And, uh, yeah, and they say... He's on my uh, list, too, by the way. I'm going to be talking yeah, about Yeah, well, no, Walter's great. I mean, we've have, we got have many stories there. But anyhow, they say, hey, we're, we're building this Washington Post radio, and... It was interesting. The the first the first uh, pitch I think was from Jim. Would you be interested in? And I said, Well, you know, I don't know. I said years ago in San Diego we did 
Um, we did the radio magazine at, at Kogo, the old Kogo. I said, I don't know. Plus, I'm very happy. I mean, it's very happy at, at, at KGO. And uh, Sabo calls, and then I think Jim calls back again. And uh, <laughs> he says, you know, why don't you just come back and talk to us? Because we really think you're probably the guy or one of the only people that should can do this. And I said, okay, first of all, I'm 55, so I'm no dummy. I'm the only one that you've talked to that would even consider the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> like Groucho Marx, you want me? I, do I want to be a member of a club that wants right. to be So I said, then um, he said, why don't you just fly back and uh, and just just talk to us? I said, Jim, what, I don't really want to do that because one of the few things I, I have no intention of taking the job. I said. One of the things, regardless of what anybody thinks of my successes programming or the years I was on the air, one of the things I think I, I, I kept intact was my integrity. And I'm, I'm trying to be honest with you. So no, just fly back. I understand. Well, Dave, I get off the plane. It's supposed to be super secret. I mean, there's funny angles on that. And um, the first among the first things they do is take me down to the Washington Post. And you walk in there. It looks just like at the, at the time, still like it looked like in all the president's men. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and they're walking me through there. They said, this will be your, one of your newsrooms. They go, and, 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 uh, Ben Bradley still had an emeritus office there and, and Bernstein. I'm going, son, this isn't fair. And then we go up, <laughs> we go up to, cause it was Bonneville at the time, which owns WTOP. And we get to the building there and they said, your other newsroom, you'll have access. The news from a WTOP. I'm going. That's just not fair, you know. So, uh, uh, so that's how I got to DC. I mean, that's why I left KGO. I guess that's what I was trying to get to the point. I'll never forget. I said to myself as I got in the play, I was pretty sure I was going to get the offer. And um, long about St. Louis, I said, you know what? If I don't take this job. I should walk into Mickey's office or Jack's office on Monday uh, and resign because that means I've lost a passion for the business. If you can't get excited about the opportunity to do that, you know. Uh, so I did that. Uh, I'll, I'll bore you with one other little funny thing. My wife picks me up at the airport. We, we lived in Walnut Creek, uh, so the Oakland airport. And she says, okay, so you turned them down, right? And it was a Sunday morning. I said, well, you know, there's a 10 o'clock church service. So she said, oh, dag nabbit. She said, you promised me. You promised me we'd never leave California. And I said, well, how long have we been married? And then it was probably 35 years. It's now been more than 45. Months. He said, yeah, how long have we been married? She said, 30-some years. I said, well, then you know I lied. So anyhow, that's all. <laughs> well, I'm curious. I'm I, I'm trying oh, to. Oh, oh, and yeah, real quick. And then the yeah. day I resigned, or, yeah, the day I actually put in my formal resignation, is a day there's a conference call saying that that uh, ABC, the radio division, is being sold to Disney. our good friend, uh, not Cumulus yet, but uh, Fareed and uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, whatever that company was at the time. Oh. I can't even think of it. Yeah. And it was they were still in place when I wound up in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Or or in Los Angeles. Anyway, I, I just wanted to go back to something you said because I was a little bit confused. You said you uh, you went out to Washington, and uh, you were given the given the mind blowing tour and stuff. But then you decided you should come back to San Francisco and resign because you had lost the passion. And I don't, I don't. No, I said if if I didn't accept the offer. Oh, I see. I if, see. if I if I was given the offer and didn't take it. Okay. That's saying, oh, okay, Greg, because you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, even though I knew there were some some improbabilities there, I mean, I even challenged them several times, saying there's some things they wanted to do with it. We, I won't go into it. To me, it's one of those things. The, the experience itself, I have, I'm, I'm working with Jim and Joel Oxley and in the group I love. Uh, there were just some things I knew ahead of time that uh, were troublesome. Um. But anyhow, I, I'm glad I did it, and I still have some, you know, good friends from the post, and as well as, uh, you know, you know, uh, what is now, uh, bon it's not Bonneville anymore. It's 
how quickly we forget the companies. Um, so at this anyhow. at this point, uh, you've been retired, so to speak. How long? I retired full time, seventeen. Okay. So what is that? Six years. Yeah, about that. I've I've always been reluctant to even consider using the word when it's time. Well, I don't. For me. I, I really. Yeah. I, I don't think it's retired because I'm busy. Because I, you know that that kind of implies to me that okay, you're done working. You're done doing the things that you love to do and that you did for whatever reasons you did it. And now you're going to sit home in front of the TV and pet the dog and go out and do a little gardening. All of that's fine. Um, but I'm getting close to that point. So I haven't quite made the decision, but, um, I, I am wondering as a retired broadcaster of so many years, what do you do to keep yourself mentally involved in the things that you love? Well, with again, I, you know, and I am a man of faith. So sometimes you wonder if this was uh, led to, but there's a small radio group here that I mentioned, the Oconee radio group. And uh, the station's actually, one of the stations is a little uh, down the street, not far from where I live. And just one day I just said, hey, you know, I have a little bit of experience. Is there anything I can do? So I'm I'm doing some stuff with uh, this this little radio group. Uh, actually, uh, I don't know if you remember the show we did on KGO called God Talk with Bernie before. Oh, absolutely. Bernie sure. Steele. Sort of created our own little local version of God Talk on Sunday mornings. And then I do some Saturday and I do other, you know, I do it. So I, so I stay busy with that. Um, but then I still, I'm still officially on the advisory board of the journalism school at Cal Poly out in San Luis Obispo. Oh. Although I've, I've missed a couple of, uh, I, I had mentors this past year. I didn't have a mentor, but I used to have some men, mentor mentees that I would, you know, um, uh, zoom with and talk with yeah. and yeah. and uh so that keeps me busy um and uh and you watch tv you know, and play I, with the dog and you do some gardening well actually you know it's interesting <laughs> i uh i know but i you get i get involved with the community i uh we have this well you you being a thespian yourself and a playwright uh actually before this little accident i had i actually still perform. I uh, was talked into going ahead and bring it's been years since I acted, but did a little play and, uh, and there's down in downtown Greensboro, Georgia. There's a festival hall, which does some really nice community projects. If we bring in some nice acts, I, I got to learn to say no, because they said, Hey, you'd be great on the board of directors. So I'm on the board of directors of the uh, festival hall now, which I start. And, uh, and, uh, so it's interesting. You just, it, again, I think what happens is you allow yourself to realize, yes, you know, we, you, you're a great broadcaster on the air. I, yeah, I was okay, but I also, but these skills can be used elsewhere and keep me every bit as satisfied. And with my, uh, belief that radio, my years, one of the most satisfying things of it was serving a community. Uh, getting to play with a little radio group. I thank them all the time for letting me be in the sandbox once in a while. They were just named Small Market Radio. Yeah. The station I'm involved with, particularly Doc 103.9, was named Small Market Radio Station of the Year for Georgia. I mean, it's, it's, it's really some, you really should talk to this KJ Allen in one of your podcasts. Well, I want to get, the, I want to, I want to get those names and contacts from you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but, but, uh, it also makes me think about, uh, uh about, um, um, Tom. Who's uh, doing the same yeah. kind of, yeah? Who's doing the same kind of thing up uh, in northern New York? I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and I think he's sort of. I mean, I know. I mean, you know, we, we've known each other a while. Um, it's that that sense of back to your roots. You get, well, and and well, that's another thing. I mean, it, and it's giving and helping the community. I mean, it's really. I don't want to sound. Yeah, you because know, everybody. I mean, trust me, I was a good partier. But I mean, on the other hand, I always <laughs> believed in in doing what I could to help a community. Uh, uh, and so, so that's that's how I'm staying busy. I mean, I'm staying. Um, and there was another real significant point there, but you know, I am over seventy now, so I just lost it. Yeah, I hear that. All right, I'm going to let you go with one thing. And that was something that you talked about a long time ago in this conversation. And that was, uh, 
Um, now I'm being 70, 72. Uh, <clears throat> what was it? You said something that was so significant to me, and I've forgotten now. Uh, I woke up in the middle of the night with a bad cold, and I didn't sleep very well, so it's catching up with me now. Um, oh, yeah, I remember. So I'll be able to edit all of that out. You mentioned your optimism and and uh, even suggesting perhaps it was a little over the top or something like that. But, you know, the things that you're talking about and the things that we've been discussing in terms of relating to the community and entertaining people while you're informing them, that's part of human nature. And say what you want about social media and the interactive world in which we live now. And the fact that live and local apparently doesn't mean what you and I used to think it does when it comes to, you know, when it comes to a choice of either live and local or uh, on demand, people are going to take on demand. Never the, never mind the way all of the technology is changing. Human nature is still human nature. So isn't there still hope for informing, entertaining, and serving the community. I think that, I think that is always an opportunity. I, 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 and even some names you may know that are, you know, that, that work for me or work with me or I work with that in Los Angeles will call. Can you help me with the podcast? And, the, and I, I try to get them to emphasize, don't be that one that sticks out from these other, what's missing in, in you know, in, in the podcast environment. I mean, that's the way KGO, there wasn't a talk station, you know, so, or one that truly served the community. So find that niche and people with the talent you have, which these other people have, there's, again, you're, you're in the content imagination, having been a Disney employee, you're an imagineer, (laughs) you know, but I mean, take, but take those skills and you have now you know, at least a, a, a much larger number of delivery platforms that you can use. Uh, and one thing I think both of us, you mentioned earlier, I don't think either of us started in this business to get rich. I mean, we were happy. Right. You know, I remember one time when I first went to work for a union shop, I never knew there was such a thing as union time. I almost got grieved because I wouldn't put in forward time. They said, well, Tatum, you were on that fire for 12 hours. He said, yeah, but the fire was still going. I mean, I, I was that's right. Well, no, you got to put down for overtime. I said, overtime? <laughs> Why? Gee, we're going to spruce this. And so if you have, if you still have that passion, uh, you, there, there, there is a, there is an avenue for you. I mean, uh, even if it's going down to Publix and getting over, that's the grocery chain here. Uh, I don't know. Publishers. I don't know if people our age can, can find a way to, uh, you know, encourage people who are 40 years younger. But I sure hope somebody along the way can say, come on, man, pick it up. Here's, there's more than you could do than what you're trying to do now. Exactly. Exactly. And there he is, Radio Master Greg Tantum. He's a little bit like a dog that wanders into the circus. Once he learned to love the life, he won't go away. We're going to talk again soon about why the future of radio lies in its past, hometown service, and people. I'm Dave Williams.